Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a digital media production. Find your voice. Hey, fantasy football fans. It's finally opening week of the NFL regular season. FanDuel's back with fantasy football for the everyday fan. New contests start every week. No more busted seasons. This year, there's an upgraded experience. You can try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Even play for a dollar. There are choices for every budget. Pick a contest, choose your team, watch your score in real time. Try FanDuel now and get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to NFL 50-50 Beginner Contest, valued at up to $50. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. The value of free entries depends on deposited amounts. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my promo code MMQB. That's FanDuel.com, promo code MMQB, void where prohibited. Hello, I'm Peter King, and welcome to the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. This week, one of my favorite interviews in the NFL, defensive lineman Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks, and the guy I call the David Ortiz of the NFL, Vince Wilfork of the Houston Texans. By the way, Wilfork knows Big Poppy. And I think you're going to like my conversation with him as well. But first, Michael Bennett. You know, no football player that I know of ever dispenses political advice more freely than Michael Bennett. I think he's been super disrespectful in the fact that, you know, it's okay to talk about a person's political views, but not to attack the way they look and what they're about. Don't vote for Trump. And Vince Wilfork. What exactly did you learn in all those years playing with Tom Brady? The best quarterback in the game. I got a chance to watch him work in practice, and he never took a day lightly. He never took it for granted. I mean, it's a reason he's that good. My conversations with Michael Bennett and Vince Wilfork in a moment, and later in the show, I'll be back with a few thoughts on what's already shaping up to be one of the weirdest years of the 32 years that I've ever covered the National Football League. Now, let's take you to Renton, Washington, home of the Seattle Seahawks, to my conversation with outspoken defensive lineman Michael Bennett. So I'm here at the Seattle Seahawks training facility in Renton, Washington. I'm with Michael Bennett, defensive end, Seattle Seahawks. One of the reasons I wanted to have Michael on the podcast is that he says things. And he doesn't say things that he doesn't mean, but... He also means everything that he says, and I just thought it would be fun to have you on, and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you, America. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, America. If Donald Trump is for getting votes, I figure I can get some votes, too, so let's do this. 
Well, as long as you started with Donald Trump now, let's talk about Bernie Sanders and your support of Bernie Sanders through this whole political process. Why? And were you ultimately mildly disappointed or very disappointed that he lost? I was very disappointed. I was hoping that he became the vice president because I felt like some of his views would be better for vice president suited because I felt like his social issues and things he thought and things he's walked with Dr. King. He's done so many great things. And it was it was one of those things where I felt like it was time for a person to be in office once again to really get people back to understanding that it's okay to be different and, and you can accept of other people's different and respect people's culture. I thought it was time to get back to that. I think that for a while we started at the judge other people for the things and how they look, the way that they smell, the things that they ate, how they dressed, the religion that they were part of. And I felt like he was kind of going into the away from that. It was more of he was going to like accept everybody and let's, and let's just live together and create something super positive. What have you thought as you have watched this presidential election, the whole process go forward? And what have you thought of, I don't know, maybe the coarsening of the dialogue between Donald Trump and his opponents. I think I think I think he's been super disrespectful in the fact that you know it's okay to be to talk about a person's political views but not to attack the way that they look and what they're about, you know. So, you know, him talking to that Muslim family and telling them that they all about that and him making us feel like we should attack somebody because they look a Muslim or they're a part of the Muslim culture. I thought that was pretty ignorant. And I thought that, you know, him saying that he wants to make America great again when everything he does, all his businesses outside of America from his clothes and the things that he does. And I think I think that is something that I just really dislike. I thought that his dialogue should be more about how to truly make America great. And I think America is different. If you watch the Olympics, you know, and I was explaining to my daughter because she was like, Daddy, Daddy, how come every other country, every Everybody looks exactly alike. And I was telling her that that's what makes America great. It's so many different people from around the world and so many people from different cultures. And, and, and we're able to come together and form a whole different type of society. And I thought that was pretty interesting. You are pretty much a multicultural family in yourself. Yeah. Your family, born in California, live in Hawaii, and uh, your wife is Samoan. Yeah. And so... What is your message to your kids about different cultures? Well, for my kids, I, I love traveling. So I try to get my kids to travel around the world to see what how different the world is. I think a lot of times people get stuck in their environment. And because they're in their environment, they tend to forget that there's something outside of them. You know, for a while, people thought the world was square. You know what I mean? And and that's just how it is. Or flat. Or flat. You know what I mean? It's just like if, you, if you're in there, you, you that's all you see. So when you get kids out to understand that there's different people around the world, they do things differently, and it's okay. And it's okay to like what they're doing. You don't have to get stuck in your way because you think your way is perfect. And try different things. And that's how my whole philosophy with my family and my whole philosophy growing up in Texas and you know and living and spending a lot of time in Louisiana and coming out to just seeing the whole world and just wanting to be a part of it and loving the different things that people have you know for a long time I thought I loved only loved Cajun food then I started getting out and I'm like well I like sushi I like Indian too I like Moroccan food you know what I mean so it's like it's one of those things where you just got to get out and travel and I think the human being is a, a nomadic being and we're supposed to go around the world we're supposed to view different things we're supposed to do it and that's what makes us so unique 
I take it you don't want to build a wall between the United States and Mexico. No, I would never do that. I think a lot of times, you know, we forget about the work that the people that they do. You know, there's the Spanish people. They do so much work for us that a lot of people would not do. And and you got to have respect for that. And the way that I grew up in Texas, so I had a lot of Spanish friends. And I know sometimes their family, the things that goes on in Mexico, they want to get here. They want to feel a chance to have freedom. It's, you know, it's a difference between America. There's a lot of things that I feel like America doesn't have. But I feel like America truly has that the ability to let you have the opportunity. And I think that's all the people want is the ability to have opportunity. How have you in your career this year, I think your eighth year, right, in the NFL, how through here and through college football, this is a very regimented game. It's a very much get in line game. So how have you been able to maintain the personality that you have maintained? Obviously, it's it's a challenge because... The way that this game is made is, you know, it's built like the military. You can't get sick. You can't get injured. You never, there's never, you never injure. You always have to be ready. And I tend to think that a lot of people fall victim to not finding out who they truly are. And, and that's the real problem. A lot of people think that, oh, athletes lose themselves. I think they never knew themselves. So it's hard to lose yourself when you never knew yourself. So it's one of those things where I've, I've always wanted to be like, man, I want to be who I am all the time and not succumb to what somebody else thinks I should be or society thinks an athlete should be. You know, I stick true to to my morals and I think integrity is one thing that I want to always have and I think that's hard to do in a sport like this because fans want you to be a certain way coaches want you to be a certain way society wants you to be a certain way it's just Twitter but I stay true to what I think is me and what I think is right in all your years in football have you ever thought of not playing because it's a conformist game no, I, I've always thought you could always – I grew up around a lot of people that always created their niche in something, and I'm just creating my niche in this league. And, and I know that people want you to challenge it. I feel like there is a group of fans and a group of people that want to hear that politically correct answer, and most of those people are the people that's creating the brands and people that are creating, like, the marketing things. But I think the true fan wants to hear the real side of the athlete or the real side of whoever it is that they're paying attention to, whoever that they love. And I think I bring that to the fans, and I think – I bring it to society I think my fans are the people who are like man like he's just being himself he's at least he's giving us something other than the answer that they're supposed to say this is the MMQB podcast a quick question for my listeners how would you like to get three home-cooked meals for free well all you have to do is remember these four letters they are after all the most important four letters on planet earth MMQB That's easy enough, right? Now keep listening and I'll tell you how to get those free meals. Look, we all know there's nothing better than a great home-cooked meal. And no one makes it easier to do that than Blue Apron. Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. They set the highest quality standards for their suppliers and only bring you the best ingredients, all right to your door. Be sure to check out the great meals available during the month of September. You're not going to be disappointed. Now comes the freebie part. That's what I was telling you about before, three free meals. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com slash MMQB. Think about it. Three meals free just by adding in MMQB. Blueapron.com slash MMQB. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. 
please do not wait. Once again, that's blueapron.com slash MMQB. Blue Apron, it's just a better way to cook. This is Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical for candid conversations with the biggest names around the NBA. Be sure to check out our podcast network, which includes The Vertical Podcast with Woj, The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Redick, and The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix, all at thevertical.com, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Peter King here on the Peter King Podcast with Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks. Michael, you are sort of famous in football for living life and living the life that you want to live outside of football. You live in Hawaii. (laughs) What's it like for an NFL player to live in Hawaii? Are there many of them? Who live in Hawaii? There's a couple. It's like eight, seven or eight, but most of them are Polynesian. I think I'm like the only African American player out there. Why so. did you choose Hawaii? I'm like I'm a real like spiritual person, and I, I like I went to Italy and I didn't feel that vibe. But when I like when I went to Hawaii, I felt this vibe of calmness and this vibe of this is where I'm supposed to be at this moment in my life, and and I loved it. I love that that peace of mind feeling, and you don't get that everywhere. It's a lot of places that you visit that you don't really feel like you should be there. And I thought Hawaii was a place that I felt that I was supposed to be. I love the ocean. I love the way that the water makes me feel. I love being a part of the culture. I love I love everything that Hawaii offers, and that's the reason why I wanted to live there. And, you know, growing up in Texas, it's kind of like I felt like I outgrew what there was to offer me, you know, the things that we, I was used to going. It's just the same old thing all the time, and to try something different. Like I said, like my plans, like uh, I'm planning a trip right now. Like, I'm, I mean, I plan on living in Africa for a while. So it's one of those things where it's like I feel like I'm supposed to travel and I'm supposed to be in a place that's different from the norm. I've been to South Africa. I was over there for the World Cup in 2010. And now that is really a unique place. Because you go from Soweto to Cape Town to Johannesburg. I mean, there's murders on the streets in Johannesburg. It's just common. And I always have thought, and you talked about Italy. I've been to Italy three or four times. And it's like what John Madden once said about the United States. He said, it's amazing how it all works. People want to live in Kearney, Nebraska. And people want to live in La Jolla, California. And people want to live in Bangor, Maine. And there's people to populate the whole thing. And so it it all works. So everybody has sort of their niche. You sort of sound like you feel your niche is a little bit of everywhere. Yeah, I, I was talking to my dad. Actually, my dad got mad at me because I said, Dad, I don't believe that I'm supposed to live in one spot forever. I was like, Dad, I think well, I'm, I'm going to live in Africa for a while. I'm going to live in, I might live in Japan for a while. And he's just like, you know, he's he going to just live around. I said, Dad, I'm like, I truly believe that a human being is supposed to experience other cultures and experience society from a different point of view. Like, if my whole life if I'm just comfortable in where I've been, how am I supposed to find out what it feels like to be uncomfortable and then figure out what it feels like to understand somebody else's ideas and understand somebody else's culture? So I just feel like I'm supposed to do that. And I think I, I wish more people, I think when people travel, they tend to have a more of a sensibility of what, what it is to be different and what it is to be somebody else's culture being unique and not thinking that just because what they do is you unfamiliar with, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's why I love traveling. Michael, you uh, also have been known the last year or so for, there's a lot of people in the outside world who say Michael Bennett should hold out. He's not making enough money. Yeah. And you have chosen not to hold out. I'm sure you would like more money in your contract. But why have you chosen to not walk away instead of 
honoring the terms of your contract? Well, for me, it's one of those things where I know what type of influence that I have on my team. And I'm a leader on this team from defense all the way up. And I feel like if I go the wrong way, if I sway the team a certain way, it's going to go downhill. You know, if they, if one of the best players is all of a sudden not a part of what the true mission of the goal of us to do is, I feel like that we won't have as much success. And I had to put that, had to put myself back for a second and think about the team for once and for for a part of what we're doing and I just kind of just put it back and just focus on this season and focus on what's going on and focus on my teammates to make sure that we are back to Houston, Texas and I think that's what's important. For Super Bowl 51. I want to tell you a football memory of you I have. After the Super Bowl against the Patriots the most memorable Super Bowl I think there ever was. Maybe not the greatest one for you guys but (laughs) after that Super Bowl The New England Patriots allowed NFL Films to show their preparation for the Super Bowl. And they have a a researcher, a guy who has been with Bill Belichick forever. It's a guy named Ernie Adams. And Ernie Adams came on this show, and two or three times he just said, our whole goal in this game is to stop Michael Bennett. If we stop Michael Bennett, we'll win the game. And I'm paraphrasing him. I don't know that he said exactly that. They were... I'm not saying maniacally concerned, but they were hugely concerned. And yet, when you hear about the Seattle Seahawks, you hear about Richard Sherman or Cam Chancellor or Earl Thomas or Russell Wilson or or Marshawn Lynch until this year. And I wonder if you get a sense that maybe you're not quite as appreciated (laughs) by the public and maybe even by sort of the so-called experts as you think you should be. Yeah, of course. I mean, I feel like if you look at the way that the game is played and how I approach the game, I approach the game like a warrior. Like, I play every position from left to right, nose tackle. I spend, I spend 62% of the game inside. That's more than any defensive end in the NFL right now. So, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like people don't appreciate the things that I do and how I – how I play great run defense. I think people are used to a defensive end doing, being good at everything that he does on the field. I used to a guy either being a good pass rusher or a guy being a good run stopper. And I'm doing both. You know, every play I line up and I dominate from three technique to nose to end. And I think a lot of the opponents, my opponents, they recognize that. But I think a lot of times the fans, and I think it's just the team that I'm on. There's so many great players that I think sometimes people overlook the things that we do. And that's okay because at the end of the day, we, it's all about the W's. And I know the type of player that I am. Uh, and I know that if I keep doing what I'm going to do and keep dominating the way I am, it'll take care of itself. And I can't worry about them too much because at the end of the day, they don't pay my bills. <laughs> We're with Michael Bennett in Renton, Washington, just outside Seattle at the Seahawks training facility. So, Michael, you have been fairly outspoken on a number of issues, but one of them that interests me is – the players union, you know, the NFLPA, uh, you have been outspoken in thinking that it should be stronger, it should be more strident, and particularly the stars of the game should be more strident and stand up more for players' rights. Explain. Well, the whole idea of of a players' union is supposed to be, everybody's supposed to be a part of it. We all sign this paper. We all say that we love the shield. But sometimes I think that players forget that there's, there's two different, there's a league and then there's the players. And sometimes players think that they're a part of the league when they're really not. They were part of the players association. And they were part of what happens next to the players behind them. And I think that we haven't done enough. I think the guys before us, they done more than this year from Franco Harris to all these guys, you know, these guys that stood up and they, and they, 
made things change. And we are, we are part of a new generation and people behind us, we need to make a change. There's no reason why our contracts aren't guaranteed. The only reason our contracts aren't guaranteed is because enough of us haven't said enough. And once we start saying enough, then things will change. And I think with the Players Association, I just think that I'm a part of the Players Association and the whole idea of it is pretty cool. But then once we get there, I just think we're not all on the same page of what we want. I think sometimes players are thinking what's good for the NFL, not what's good for the players. And I think when we're part of the Players Association, what's important is the players, what happens to the players, what, it's gonna, what kind of money we're going to make, and how we're going to take care of the players. And I think we just haven't done a great job. I think that First of all, one thing that I think is wrong with the Players Association, and I've said it this is several times on anything I've been a part of, is that I don't think there's enough outside people that are a part of the Players Association. And I'm, when I say that, I say that if you look at Starbucks, you look at Google, you look at any other great organization that's carrying a lump sum of money, they look for people that's been a part of CEOs. So why can't we find people that's done something great? outside of the NFL? Why does it have to be a player that's a part of the head of the association? Why can't somebody that used to work at Microsoft that ran Microsoft for years, we go get them and we start thinking differently. Our thought process is that we are workers and not that we are owners. And really we own everything that goes on to NFL. The way that people wear their clothes, they do it because of the players. They wear the jersey because of the players. There's three, four teams that people love because it's the franchise. And that's the Cowboys and 49ers and Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe the Seahawks. But overall, every team is loved because of the player that wears that jersey. And we have to start taking ownership of that. Like I feel like I've said this several times in NFL Players Association. I feel like we should be paying a percentage to Nike. Nike shouldn't be paying us a percentage. We should make our own game. Why, why are we getting paid by Madden? There's enough players in the association. We should own everything that comes in. You're Just, saying you should make your own game. We should make our own everything. That's how you make money. Like, why are we still in 2016? How are we still receiving checks? We should be writing the checks. I think that we should own everything. Why drink Gatorade? We can make our own drink. Why wear Nike shoes? We can make our own Nike shoes. It's not really that hard. We make enough money. We have enough players back in this whole thing up that we can really sell whatever we want to sell. But the process has been super easy for us to just sit back and take the dollars. And I think eventually for us to be sustainable, we really have to start taking ownership of what is ours. And what's ours is the products. And how are we going to sell, are they going to sell products if there's no players? You think people want to buy Gatorade because it's this, the Cowboys have Gatorade on the thing? They want to drink Gatorade because Des Bryant drinks Gatorade. They want to wear the Michael Jordans because Michael, they want to wear Nikes because LeBron James wears Nikes. That's the reason why they wear the stuff. And, and the brands understand that. That's why every generation they implement a new athlete that is what ahead of the generation. But we have to start taking ownership of our own things. And I think that's what really is going to have to start changing. And I think it's over time, but I think we're really starting to get it. When we start, start talking about ticket, knocking agent fees down, we really start to understand that it's us. It's not the people around us. We control every facet of this league, every facet of what's being sold, what's being marketed. It goes to the players. And I think we really have to understand that. Would you ever want to be, say, president of the Players Association? Would you ever want to be heavily involved in the Players well, yeah, Association? I wish, when I retire, I want to be way more involved in the Players Association. Right now, I do all the meetings and do all this stuff. And, but I really think, I've said this to all the, to D. Moore Smith, I think he's a, he's a great leader, but I think that he shouldn't be the head of the PA. I think he should be the lawyer of the PA. But I think to really take this league to the next step, instead of trying to fight the NFL and start trying to stop what they're doing, don't even worry about it. Let's do what China does. Instead of trying to fight the U.S., what do they do? They go create their own products. Why not? Apple is not sustainable in China, nor is Google, nor is Uber. Why? Why would they let anybody else come in their territory and create something great? 
that doesn't work. And now that's what we have to do in this next generation. Because if we do that, it won't matter with the CBA. It won't matter anymore. Why? I was telling somebody, I was like, why, why when they build a stadium, why doesn't the player association have enough? We have enough money. Why can't we buy a part of every stadium that's being built? It doesn't, then every player gets, gives money all the time. They build a new stadium. They're looking for money. Every time they build a new stadium, the players association should have a part in that, not just the owners. It's the MMQB podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm just not crazy about shaving. Ask my wife. I cut the heck out of myself about twice a month. But anyway, nicks and scratches on your face, they're just not fun. And let's face it, razors are really expensive. That is, I thought they were really expensive until I got my first package of razors from Harry's. Harry's blades are high-quality, high-performance German blades crafted by shaving experts, and they feel amazing. It's the best shave I've had in years. The really good part is Harry's offers a high-quality shave that's better for your face and your wallet. It's about half the price of the other brands, and they ship it free right to your front door. Why pay 30 bucks for an 8-pack of blades when you can get them for half that at harrys.com? They have a starter set that's an amazing deal. For $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, and three blades. It's called the Truman. Now comes the best part of all. Go to harrys.com right now, and Harry's will give you $5 off your order if you type in my coupon code, KING. That's K-I-N-G, with your first purchase. See that? Just by typing in four little letters, your price goes from $15 to $10. It's that easy. That's harrys.com. H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code KING, K-I-N-G, at checkout for $5 off and start shaving better today. Finishing up with Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks. So I hate to ask you two football questions, but I noted in the story you did recently with ESPN with your brother, Martellus, that you said that getting a sack is sort of like lovemaking. So you've had 40 sacks in your career. Tell me, what was the most orgasmic moment in those 40 sacks? Hmm. Probably when we played in the NFC Championship against the 49ers and I sacked strip fumble uh, Kaepernick, which another question, I don't understand why he's in a quarterback battle because it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, but it was when I sacked Kaepernick and um, they recovered the ball, but it was just the way that the stadium went loud. It felt like everybody was watching me. I felt like Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Ron Jeremy, ladies and gentlemen, makes his debut on the Peter King podcast. I, I wanted to ask you, too. So this is really a unique team, in my opinion, because it's a team that allows personalities to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, Marshawn Lynch had a huge personality. You have one. Richard Sherman has one. How does that manifest itself in benefiting the team, in your opinion, in the long run? I think that for a while that a lot of coaches felt like a lot of black players or African-American players, they come from this area, and a lot of them don't have fathers, and this coach has to be the man in their life, and it has to show them how to wear their shirt and how to tie a tie and how to, which hand to put the watch on and how to be a father. And then this is idea, and it's just – I think it's an ignorant idea, and I think a lot of coaches fell victim to that. I think a lot of coaches 
had good coaching schemes, but they felt they, the idea of what they're supposed to do for a player has really messed them up. I think Coach Carroll has really understood that every player is different. He doesn't need to be their daddy. He needs to find out what makes them, what motivates them. And what motivates them is letting them be themselves. Everybody comes from different areas. And you can't make me be like Jason Witten. And Cliff Averill can't be like Russell Wilson. Everybody's different. And I think Coach Carroll understands that and he accepts that. And I think that's why he's had so much success in this league because he understands that let them be them. As long as they do what they're supposed to do, they're not getting in trouble. Who cares of how he wears his shirt? Who cares if his belt is not where he's supposed to be? Or the shoes that he's wearing? As long as he's doing his job every Sunday in the way he's supposed to be doing it. Michael Bennett, you're commissioner for a day. You're sitting in Roger Goodell's office. You can change one rule in the NFL. You can do one thing hugely different than is currently done in the NFL. What would you do? I had to take two things. First thing I would do would make every coach, every owner – GM, trainer, scout, I make them go through at least one hit, one contact a day, at least one contact, so they can understand the toll that's put on the athlete's body. You know, sometimes the owners are so far removed that they forget that we're human beings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the guy has a torn MCL. Martha Ford is 90 <laughs> years old. She owns the Detroit Lions. She needs to take a hit. <laughs> <laughs> She needs to take a hit or somebody in her family. It doesn't have to be her. It has to be one of her grandsons or uncles or whoever it is. They need to take a hit. The second thing I'll do would be guaranteed contract. There's no reason. You know, and I had this argument with Don Davis of the NFLPA. He sent me this letter. He talks about all you players who talk about the NBA contracts. And I told him, I said, simply, I said, Don, I don't care what you write on this paper. There's no reason the NBA players, their contracts are super guaranteed. Everything's guaranteed. But for some reason, they don't obtain as many injuries as we do. I said, Don, you know this 100% injury rate. How come our contracts are guaranteed? You can keep saying what you want, but until you guys, we aren't doing a good job in NFLPA or players until every player's contract is guaranteed. Because we all know the magnitude of what happens to a lot of NFL players. You don't see a lot of NBA players committing suicide or dealing with CTE or dealing with Lou Gehrig's disease or dealing with any type of these things that come after sports they deal with the knee injuries but most of all the players of the NFL are dealing with crazy head trauma and why shouldn't they have guaranteed contracts you know I said that was going to be it but I do need to ask you one thing you came in here with a green drink and knowing you you live in Hawaii you have a garden at home you eat, drink, you warned me about the plastic bottle that I was drinking water out of when I walked in here so what are you drinking right now? I'm drinking a green smoothie. We've got kale, um, celery, um, broccoli, a little banana, some mango, just all green. What's the liquid? Just water? Just ice. Wow. Yeah. You live a pretty healthy life, don't you? Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's what my whole foundation is. I mean, I do everything to help kids understand that there's there's more to what they're eating. Eating is the first way of taking care of who you are and your body. Your body's so important. That's why I do so much with gardening with kids and teaching kids about how to grow their own food, how to exercise as a family, because I truly believe that it starts with the body. Like, if you don't respect your body, how are you supposed to respect everything around you? You don't even treat yourself nice. How are you going to love yourself? What do you want to be known as, a football player or a renaissance man? Actually, I, I deal with this. I mean, my brother, we, my brother was talking about this, and I was talking to Cliff Averill about this because I was telling him, like, I feel like as an athlete, you spend so much of your time, like, really trying to, like, break these records and be a part of the sports history. At the end of the day, you forget that you're not living in the now. You're so living in the future, and you're so living about what people are going to think about you when you're dead, and you forget that now is important. And for me, I just want to be a great father. I think 
that's when you know what your role is in life. Because a lot of athletes, a lot of people love them because they don't know who they are. And it's really, it's when your family loves you more than anything that you find out who you really are. And I think that's important to me because at the end of the day, I don't want people to be like, well, you had the most sacks in Seahawks history. I want them to say, damn, that motherfucker was a great father. Did you see the way that he <laughs> played with his daughter? Did you see the way he coached his daughter's teams? Did you see he never missed a recital? He did everything to be right for his family. And that's what, that's the only legacy I care about, really. Michael Bennett, it's been a revelation. I've had a lot of fun talking to you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Don't vote for Trump. You're listening to the MMQB Podcast. Now, I'm going to tell you about an experience I had with one of the great partners we have on the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, and that is me actually downloading an app, me, dinosaur me, downloading the SeatGeek app onto my phone and actually buying tickets to a Pirates-Mets game this year. I mean, if I can do this, you can do it. So let me tell you about SeatGeek. You know it can be a hassle getting a seat to a game or a concert, especially for a good price. That's why the best place to go, I've found, is SeatGeek when you need tickets. It's so easy. They pull all the tickets available on other sites into one place. You save time. You never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming events. They'll let you know if those ticket prices fall. Even better... Every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value. You can immediately find underpriced seats to any game or concert. You can also use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest. They show you the full ticket price from start to finish. No trickeration on the huge fees on checkout page. Now, pay attention to this next part because it's really important. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. 20 bucks free. And to get it, all you have to do is this. Download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Then enter promo code MMQB. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. It just doesn't get any easier. So download that free SeatGeek app and enter promo code MMQB today. Now, back to the show. See, I told you it wouldn't be boring with Michael Bennett. Now it's not going to be boring with Vince Wilfork either. I met him in Houston during training camp, and Wilfork, I only talked to him for, I don't know, 10 or 11 minutes, but I could have sat there for two hours. So Vince Wilfork, you have made your way to Houston after a lifetime in New England. I have to ask you this. How do you take this heat? You know, the heat... It's not a problem to be honest with you. Um, growing up in Florida, you know, all my life I've been in it. I mean, it's a different heat than Florida, and I spent 11 years in New England. But in the off season, I always get back home and um, be in Florida and be in the heat and stuff. So it, it definitely gets hot, I tell you that. But um, it's not an issue, you know. I think, you know, dealing with the weather is something I can't control. So I kind of, you know, really never paid attention. And I hear a lot of guys always talking about it or when we at practice and the heat index and all that stuff. But to me, is you know, when I'm, when I'm working, I'm working. And I love sweating. So if I was one of those guys that don't like to sweat, it'll be a problem. So I'm good with it. I'm going to ask you two questions about history. What are your memories and what are the lessons you take from having worked with Bill Belichick for so long? You know what? Just being with Bill for 11 years, it's just the details, how he approaches the game, 
And a lot of people don't understand that that he's a a great person. You know, it's it's more than football. You know, with Bill, I mean, he's a great coach, but. You know, I've gotten the chance over the years to get to know him as a person. And, I mean, he understands a lot of things. He's very caring. That's one thing that I always took away from me having conversations with him and being able to juggle a team. You know, you have different personalities, different characters. You have to know each one of your players. And I think Bill do a real good job of that. I think a great coach understands that with football and without football. So, a lot of people are intimidated just because of what they see on TV when I'm coaching. But the Bill Belichick I know off the field is an awesome person. And I will always, you know, know him and remember him by that. I just think a lot of times people don't understand that because he don't have a lot of people that's really close to him or get a chance to see that side of him. But he tell you all the time, if you ever have an issue, you know, if it's about football or not about football, you my door is always open. And my first part of my career, you know, I was – I was one of those ones who was scared to walk by that office or if he say something to me, it's like, oh, man, what did I do? But over the years, you know, um, I used that door a lot throughout my career. And I think the more players can understand who he is as a person, the better, you know, they'll get a chance to know who he is. So, How have you retained this really positive attitude toward him even though he chose not to re-sign you? And that had to hurt a little bit to know that – the Patriots uh, were not going to aggressively try to re-sign you. You know what? Business is business. I think when my first contract was up, you know, I kind of took it personal how the negotiations was going. And then, um, you know, I had to really sit back and put myself in their shoes. If I had a team and an organization to run, how would I run it? And it's not about one individual. And, and once I came to terms with understanding that, I could deal with anything. So when when they chose not to pick it up, I understood it was a it was a business decision. It was no hard feelings, um, and I didn't take it that way. You know, I, I love them guys. You know, from the Kraft family to Bill Belichick and his kids, um, my teammates, my, the fans. You know, I, I love them because it was eleven years, eleven great years I spent in New England. Won a lot of games, won Super Bowls, been in a lot of football games, being in football games in the weather. I mean. You know, it's the only things you think about growing up when you see history of football. You you always kind of see the Chicago Bears and the Packers in snow with them, with them breathing. And you can see them, you know, their breath and stuff. So I got a chance to live out that. And you know what? That's football. Um, but I took nothing personal because at the end of the day, it's, it's business. Everybody got to understand that this is a business. There will be guys, you know, before me. It was guys before me. It's going to be guys after me. But – uh, it was tough on their, their end also, and I understood that. But at the end of the day, um, I have no hard feelings. I never will. I love them guys to death. They gave me my first job. They gave me an opportunity to come there and win with them, and we had a lot of fun. When you look at Tom Brady and your relationship with Brady over the years, what's something about Brady that people may not know? You know what? As a quarterback and being the face of an organization – um, sometimes you can get a bunch of a-holes. You know, some guys can probably think that they're better than others just because of who they are. But I tell you, he's one of my all-time favorite players and teammates because Tom would hang out with us. Tom would, um, you know, go to dinner with us. I mean, he would be a true teammate, you know, even though he's the poster child and 
you know, Giselle, his wife and all that stuff, he never let that get to who he really is. And he cares so much about his teammates and players. So uh, a lot of people that always ask me, how is Tom? What he's like? And I tell him all the time, I'm like, he's down to earth. I mean, he is one of the best uh, teammates I've had and one of the best friends I've had. Been having a chance to play with him was a blessing for me, you know, and I can always sit back and remember the Super Bowls we won together, the, you know, the, the time we put in just to watch him work at practice. That's one of the, that's one of the memories I will always have. Just watch a guy like Tom Brady, uh, the best quarterback in the game. Um, and I think in history, I got a chance to watch him work in practice and he never took a day lightly. He never took it for granted. I mean, it's a reason he's that good because, um, he worked. He, he's very competitive, so um, I love him like a brother. Finishing up with Vince Wilfork. Vince, so you get here, and you've got J.J. Watt, and I wonder, any common threads between Tom Brady and J.J. Watt? Competitive. How competitive they are. I mean, I get a chance. <laughs> it's crazy because I go from one spectrum to the next with a Tom Brady, and now all of a sudden I'm next to J.J. Watt and having a front row seat to watch what make him great. You know, is how he worked, how he carried himself on and off the field, what he do off the field with charities and the community. Um, but just to watch him day in and day out grind, you know, that's one thing. You see it when coaches get on you, you, you pick up practice. and But that's someone that you never have to tell you know, when it's time to work, it's work time because he walk around like that. Everything he do, he, he want to be the best. And that's one of the similar things I see between him and Tom. No matter what they're doing, they want to be the best at what they do. So, But it comes with a competitive edge. And I think, you know, being this level, you have to be very competitive. You're in an absolutely wide-open division. I have no idea who's going to win this division. Why do you think your team – can win this division? I personally, I just think nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. But I think we have pieces. If we continue to put them together, I think we'll be tough. We will be tough. Our goal is to win the division, plain and simple. Our goal is to have a first round by in the playoffs. That's our goal. You know, we all play this game for one reason, and it's to win the Super Bowl. That's I mean, that is what it is. By the way, the Super Bowl's in Houston. It's home. So <laughs> it would be nice to be in it, but it's going to take a lot of work. I mean, nothing's going to be given to us. So we got to be able to, day in and day out, win ball games, win the tough games, um, win the games that we're supposed to win. And there's going to be some games where we have to go on the road or, or play a tough opponent where we're going to have to count on everyone not just one person. So we all going to have to step our game up. So I think as long as we keep our, our mental edge, we're going to always have a chance. Vince Wilfork, thanks for joining me on my podcast. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. This is the MMQB Podcast. You know, it's pretty difficult as an interviewer if you ever get a bad interview with Michael Bennett or Vince Wilfork. I think that's probably the impression that both of those guys just left you because when I walked away from each guy, that's basically what I said. How can you screw up this interview? So last thing for this week, just two thoughts on teams that, to me, are the most fascinating teams entering this season. 
And they're going to be teams that have been professionally under the radar in the last three, four, five years. In the case of the Oakland Raiders, in the last decade, they have stunk. And when I visited the Raiders during training camp, there was one difference between this year and almost every other year I've been there recently. And that is, there isn't just this kind of, well, if everything goes right, we're going to win. I mean, Jack Del Rio, the head coach of this team, now has sort of drilled it into their heads that, all right, guys, the JV portion of our careers is over. Now, we're going to win, and we're going to win right away this year. So this team that you're going to see for the first time in New Orleans this weekend, I believe is going to be a very difficult team to stop on offense. I think they've got a very good running game with Latavius Murray. They've got a great young quarterback in Derek Carr, a franchise receiver in Amari Cooper. The offensive line worries me some, but I think it's good enough. It also worries me that they don't have a great compliment to Khalil Mack on defense. Khalil Mack, to me, uh, is going to be a great player for the next eight or ten years in the NFL if he stays healthy. He's already a superb football player and a multiple threat rusher. So I like Oakland a lot. The other team, and unfortunately it's in the AFC, I'd like to have symmetry and say there's one team in the NFC that I absolutely love. But there's a team in the AFC too uh, that I love. I'm picking the Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC South. I'm doing that because when I visited Jacksonville, I saw so much young talent on that defense And particularly, I'm just really fascinated with Miles Jack. Now, remember this story around draft time when Miles Jack basically is a linebacker from UCLA. He might have been the first pick in the draft, but suffered a severe knee injury. And so many teams in the NFL took him off their board. They were afraid of him. I saw Miles Jack in training camp. He can turn and run superbly right now, Uh, has no pain. I think he's going to have a very, very good rookie year. I think he's going to play at least 60-65% of the defensive snaps. Jacksonville is going to be a really interesting test tube to watch this year. They already are an explosive offense. So I think that they have a really good chance not only to make the playoffs, but to win a playoff game in January. Anyway, my two surprise teams there are going to be Oakland and Jacksonville. Thanks so much to my guest, Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks and Houston Texan, Vince Wilfork. Still got a funny ring to it. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to the other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with Bruce Arians and John Elway. You can find these on the MMQB.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, leave a review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week. This has been a Digital Media production. Find your voice. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.